you can't just like take an entire religion and boil it down to one verse. You know, like right. if you can, you can go to the Quran and you can cherry pick a, a verse that that portrays them in a negative light. Guess what? You can do that with Christianity too. What does it mean to view others outside of the negative propaganda and cultural emphasis to see the goodness of God in each one of us? Many times we villainize people we don't understand, and this couldn't ring true for those of the Islam culture. As promised, here's our part two of our conversation with Jordan and Camille of Halidom as we discuss Islamophobia and how to love others who believe differently. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard question. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave, we are bold, we are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, you're listening to The Reckless Pursuit. My name's Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 115, and we've already done our intro stuff, so we're going to make this snappy. We have a really big announcement. Elaine, take it away. Yeah, so June 5th through 7th, we are hosting Nomad 2020. Yes, this is a group of 12 of us in all. Some voices you've heard on this show, some voices we're sure you're going to hear coming Uh, in the not-too-distant future, and we're coming together to encompass what Nomads is, and we have a group called Nomads. This isn't just our thing. I want to go ahead and preface this. This is all of us coming together equally to just share uh, the spiritual journey, and this is an online summit. It is only $29 if you jump on right now and get a hold of that early bird ticket price. It goes over three days There's going to be tons of roundtable discussions, all kinds of cool stuff going on, uh, all kinds of in-depth talks on all things deconstruction, reconstruction, and just the spiritual journey. And I am extremely excited about this. And of course, this isn't an official promo. We're quickly throwing this in there real quick just to get the word out ASAP. So we would love to have you a part of that. Go over to nomadsacademy.com. Co. You can find that in the show notes below, nomadsacademy.co. You can see all the speakers, all the different topics we're talking about, and that's where you can sign up to be a part, and we would love to have you. All right, let's get right to today's conversation on Islamophobia with Jordan and Camille of Halidom. I think one of the most misunderstood and racially divisive, specifically within Christian culture is uh the muslim culture and let's just be honest there's not a lot i mean the american uh, you know the united states uh stances toward muslim culture we've been at war with them for a very long time mind you uh like a lot of war that is unnecessary um i know i'll get persecuted for saying that but it's unnecessary war uh a lot of i mean back and forth let's be honest one thing that I would say is, you know, I think a lot of people frame it like as a war against Islam. But I mean, as soon as you decide to frame it as a war against Islam, it means that you are just accepting the uh, propaganda of terrorists. They they want to mm. think of it as as us waging a war on Islam. But 
that's not what's happening. You know, uh, obviously, you know, I'm not defending these wars, but I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, as soon as we agree that that's that it's actually the case that the United States is weighing, waging a war on a religion, um, you're kind of, you know, accepting the propaganda of these groups. Yeah. That's good. So what is that? What, how? OK, let's just start with this, because I think this that's the, the elephant in the room is. How does our way of doing Christian faith contribute to racism against Islamic culture, especially with how we frame the Bible against them? Yeah, so I, you know, I think that in certain sects of Christianity, you know, there is like just the formation of these in groups and out groups, um, and you know, those groups form, like we mentioned before, you know, around fear. You know, they, mm. they form around, you know, what we're afraid of. And I think, you know, Christian um, evangelicals, you know, I think one of their fears is, you know, other these other ideas, you know, these entirely different, you know, conception of the religion. Um, you know, they feel like um, things are changing a lot. They feel like, you know, people, society is moving past them. Um, and so there's this kind of reaction. But, yeah, I I. I do think, I mean, there have always been Christians who have been, you know, thoughtful and compassionate about this subject. I don't want to just like throw those people out, but, um, but yeah, it, it would not be inaccurate to say that Christians have definitely contributed to sort of this air of Islamophobia that exists in the United States today. Like a couple of the uh, examples that we talk about in our episode, you know, Franklin Graham came out saying, you know, Islam is, is a wicked religion, you know. Uh, he he's, he has opposed Muslims running for public office. He has opposed the building of mosques. Um, you know, and he is a prominent Southern Baptist uh, leader, and people listen to him. Um, you know, but I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's been so many um, Christian voices sort of preaching this um, gospel of us versus them, and you know, I I just think that's been very very harmful you know, for, for the development of, of Christians, like our, our spiritual development here in the, in the U S. Well, like, I think another thing that kind of has to do with it, there's this idea of like spiritual warfare that Christians are taught, you know? And I think like we get taught that we have power over circumstances. So like our God supersedes everyone else's God. So like I'm thinking about like, when a huge like attack happens on our country, it's like, okay, Christians, it's time for us to stand up and, and take this back and we've got to fight against it. And so inherently it's like, oh, whatever religion did this other thing, we've got to fight that religion. We, our God has to now fight that God because our God is better. Therefore we are better because we follow that God, you know? Yeah. And I think we've inherited a lot of, you know, like the history between like European uh, mm -hmm. people and and the Middle East, you know, there's, yep. there's been a lot of, uh, you know, violence there. And, you know, not to mention the modern violence that, that still happens today. As a religious culture, Christianity has, in a lot of ways, allowed political influence to draw us kind of full circle. So, you know, I look at the Bible, like you look through Genesis, peace, you know, things start breaking into turmoil. Then you start having these wars, this division, all these divisions, this divisiveness starts happening and sooner or later, God goes, okay, enough is enough. You have Jesus come on the scene. He breaks down these cultural barriers like time and time and time again. And then 
all of that comes to look like, oh, okay, we're all creation, you know, God, you know, this neither Jew nor Gentile, we're all within God's uh, grasp, I guess, per se. And then you wrap all that up, and then now we're kind of going from that back to, oh, but we need more laws. We need, It's kind of like we're asking God for yeah. another king, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. we, we can't do this. We need more kings. We need more authoritarian figures because things are just out of control. Like, we can't... And, and I think it goes, it ties back into that racism, right? Like we need something to grab a hold of, to push our agenda. And so we're looking at like, oh, we need a war. We need to start stuff with someone else, even if it's not a physical war, right? Even if it's an emotional war, even if it's a mental war, we need an enemy. And like, I feel like we have this obsession with needing an enemy to validate our faith. I was going to say, I've. Mm. it's just weird to me how like the... Um, biblically speaking and like the birth of Christianity, Jesus, all of that wasn't either Eastern practice, but now we've white, uh, culturalized political. I, I don't even know how to like formulate that in the, in the accurate sentence, but to the core, it, it wasn't Eastern practice. And now we're against Eastern practices. Like, I, I don't know where the line is or what happened exactly, maybe like the formation of America. I don't know. Um, being with... We like, lost our roots. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess we lost our roots. We lost um, that true, extending true grace and mercy and love to other people. Like you said, like we now we feel like we have to have an enemy, but that's not who God is. That's not who Jesus... That's not what Jesus stands for. It's not a us versus them mentality. We don't always have to be at war with somebody just because we mm. don't agree always or, or don't like the way things are or we allow past experiences to dictate future growth. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think you can actually trace it all the way back to the fourth century, you know, when Christians, you know, via Constantine first like held political power, you know, for the first time. And it's kind of depressing how short a time it was between Christians being persecuted gaining political power and then persecuting others. Um, And, and I think, you know, that that's just kind of something we have to deal with, but I think, you know, to be optimistic, you know, there were always Christians during all that time who were just trying to uh, be faithful and and loving. And, um, and yeah, like you can always find terrible Christian examples um, but I think it's important for us, you know, to still try to uphold those, you know, positive examples when we find them. But like, I don't know if this is true for you guys. This is probably true for you. But I was literally taught as a as a child, you know, I, I don't I, I can't remember who this specific adult was. But I remember an adult telling me as a child that that gods of other religions were demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, was taught like, yeah, yeah. You know, this is something that is literally, you know, these people are worshiping demons. That's something that is taught to children yeah. in a lot of uh, regions of, of our country. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good place to start <laughs> to understand a group of people. It's like, oh, the one thing I know about you is that you worship demons. Um, do you want to yeah. be friends? You know, like well, that, I remember that. telling a friend as a child who was Muslim, I remember telling her that she was going to hell. And she told me that I was going because we were being taught that each other's religions were yeah. were evil, probably for for some different reasons. My my religion was really 
not being too kind to her <laughs> and people of her religion, you know. But like it's crazy, like because we get taught that at such a young age where we're so impressionable, you know. And seven year old me didn't know any better, you know, like, but yeah, keep going with what you're saying. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I just need to uh, throw that in there. Yeah, and I think the the other huge hurdle is that Americans are more likely to have an association between Islam and violence. And I think that is due to a number of reasons. Obviously, the first thing that comes to a lot of people's mind is September 11th. You know, they say, oh, terrorism. Yeah, Islam equals terrorism. You know, and, and that's just kind of like a natural conclusion for a lot of Americans. But that's something that's definitely worth deconstructing. Because, um, you know, there's this huge double standard that exists when we talk about Islam and when we talk about violence. Like, yeah. for instance, you know, if, if we, um, you know, people, uh, you know, feel perfectly comfortable seeing um, a, an act of terror and if it's done by a Muslim, oh, that is an Islamic mm -hmm. act of terror. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like how many how many times do you hear? Uh, people refer to Timothy McVeigh as a uh, as a Christianist terrorist, right. you know, or how or Terry Nichols or, or you know, they're never called Christian terrorists, even though they were Christians. Mm -hmm. They were uh, involved in these sort of Christianity, like suprem Christian supremacist organizations mm -hmm. and, and identity movements. But, yeah, we, we don't we don't say Christo fascism, you know, or Judeo Christo fascism. We you know, but people do say is Islamo fascism. And I think we have to realize that that there's that that double standard there to kind of build off of that. Uh, I'm about to say this and I don't know, it makes me nervous even saying it. Let's be honest to um, their culture, a bunch of white. Christian soldiers coming over starting oil wars probably seems a whole lot like Christian terrorism. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. And, and like, even in, in our media, you know, like um, how many video games have you played where you spend the entire game just shooting nameless, faceless Muslims, mm. you know, and, uh, and like, and how many shows where the default bad guy is a Muslim. But like all the while, you know, if, if a Christian, if a white Christian guy commits the same exact like act of terror, it, um, the media is way, way, way more likely to um, call it a like lone wolf attack or to blame it on mental health. Or as an know, act of it, God you know, <laughs> for punishment. Right. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's not like a Christianist attack. It's a, uh, you know, we need to uh, improve our mental health systems or whatever. But like. The truth is, there are you know uh, 1.8 billion Muslims on the planet right now, you know, and the number of Muslims who are terrorists are is you know about equal to the number of Christians who are you know violent fundamentalist extremists, you know. But like the They're way in the minority, yeah, the way we frame that issue, you know, like I think a lot of these like school shootings and mass shootings that we see. You know that are that are largely done by you know sort of like patriot movements uh like you know white guys i those are often not labeled terrorism simply because you know it's perpetrated by a white christian mm -hmm. and and there's no reason you know it, even even though terrorism is probably the best word that most accurately describes what happened sure there's something in us that doesn't want to use that label mm -hmm. our own group 
people. And a group that we see ourselves as a part of. I was going to say, know? there are some Christians and churches that use God as a crutch for their acts of violence and war and, and mm-hmm. terroristic things. Like you have the Christian crusades or you have um, different churches doing these uh, violent acts all in the name of God because we need to not be sinful or there's yeah. thoughts of, well, like things like coronavirus. Well, God caused that because we need to yeah, repent for right our now. sins and everything. And that's that's just not the mindset that you should well, have. That like we forget that a lot of a lot of violence and terrorism is caused by Christians. Like it's not just a specific culture, a specific religion religion. It's like all of us. There's many outlier negative outliers of all cultures that have done horrible things in the name of their God or in the name of themselves, or just to prove that they're, they're superior because they have uh, guns or just whatever it is. Like there, we, we tend to forget that everyone has those or every culture has those people. Well, and I think that anytime your primary focus on any group of people is elevating the small negative like you were saying they're they are minorities but because they're the ones creating havoc they're not the average uh muslim going to a a mosque on you know to pray they're not the average muslim going out and serving a community they're the ones causing and wreaking havoc so they're the ones getting the media attention and so whenever you start looking at people and framing them based on solely negative for one that's a good way to create more negative because anytime you spend your time focused on pigeonholing an entire group is bad what are you doing well you're teaching young muslim children that they're nothing but terrible people in the eyes of everyone but muslims so you're creating a culture or a mindset for the for an extremist group to get a hold of that child you know just like evangelical christians out on the street corner yelling at everyone telling they're going to hell and everything well if you spend so much time feeding into that when they're young, then when people get older, that's what they're taught to do. And that's what they continue to propagate. So by taking an entire group of people and isolating them to one mindset, you're actually creating more of the very problem that you're afraid of in the first place. Mm. Yeah. And and like I said before, framing it as a, you know, apocalyptic clash between religions is exactly what fundamentalists, fundamentalist like uh, terrorist organizations want. Yeah. You know, they want to uh, express it that way. And, you know, and, and that's not good for us to pair it, you know, uncritically. But also, you know, I think that if, if anybody wants to make this sweeping generalization of, of 1.8 billion people, you know, to say that, that, that these billions of people all have this one essential trait, you know, like, it, you're just fooling yourself at that point if you really think that you can make that kind of broad generalization. Sometimes that's that's kind of what distorted faith does. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you feel like you can just group everybody together because it makes you feel like you just kind of know everything, you know? And it's like, I'm, I can ascribe these kinds of characteristics to you just by looking at you because, because I have this faith and because I know what... Um, really kind of what I'm telling myself and what I've, what, from what I believe, I know everything about you, you know, and that's really not healthy. Well, and I think that that's a great way to kind of just sum up the whole message of the gospel of the cross, right? That is Christ in essence mm-hmm. is going from, Hey, I'm having, I, I'm just another person out here to God soloing in and saying, no, but you're unique and you are you 
and you have everything that is in you I place there for the greater good. And instead of seeing yourself as as worthless, you now have value. As seeing yourself as nothing, you're now made whole. Is you're not a, a sin mindset, you're a saint mindset. Like you have this this transition and like every person has that. It's it's innate. It's put in every person at creation, despite their religion. And I know that gets into a lot of other things of universalism and all that, which is not a conversation we're necessarily having, but in essence, God attributes these things in each person for the greater good. And some people have, I guess, focused on the wrong thing or been told the wrong thing or have been put into a place where their mindset has shifted toward the wrong thing, but those good, that good is still in them and having an authentic encounter with God changes that. It changes where you can get yeah. past all of that, where that's no longer the primary focus. You're no longer pigeonholing people as a societal group. You're it's it's really it's bringing out the individual beauty that is each individual person. And when everyone recognizes yes. that beauty and and um, purity in them and the wholeness, they start recognizing that in other people too. Then you stop having divisive language. Then you stop having. Uh, racism and classism, sexism, all of those things, yeah. you kind of get rid of that because you're like, you you recognize um, the beauty within you and then you're able to recognize the beauty within other people. And I feel like that's the heart of, right. of who Christ is and, and what um, true Christianity, whatever you want to call it, what, what true oneness looks like. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because like we say this in Christianity that all people are created and loved by God. And it's like, do we believe that or not? You know? So if I can believe that about myself, it should be just as easy for me to believe that about somebody else, you know? That's good. Yeah, I I think that, you know, part of the othering process is that we see people in those other groups as just kind of flat, two-dimensional, you know, they don't really have all the complex motivations and and ideals and and things that I do because, you know, I see myself as a fully realized human being. But, Mm -hmm. you know, once you let yourself other people, once you let yourself take uh, people out of the group that you're in, you know, like those people are just afforded less humanity. And I think that that's something that that Christianity doesn't really allow you to do if you take it seriously. Um, But, you know, like I I think, you know, if we're trying to sort of overcome these um, these uh, I think if we're trying to overcome, you know, this association between Islam and and violence, you know, I think if you actually just listen to most Muslims, you know, um, like there are people who still complain, you know, online about like, well, why aren't all, there are more moderate Muslims denouncing terrorist attacks? You know, where are the moderate voices? And this uniformly comes from people who aren't listening to yeah. the moderate mm-hmm. voices exactly. because yeah. it's it's everywhere. Can I you can know, I interrupt uh, you real quick? In fact. Oh yeah. So the very funny thing about what you just said there, those that same group of people that denounces uh, the moderate voices are the same ones that look at the Quran and say, "But have you quoted this verse where it says you can't trust what they're saying because uh, actually, you know, all infidels must die." Like that kind of mentality of like it, it shifts it to where like I, and I just say this, I've heard this a lot uh, from a lot of preachers even. Of like, okay, so they're saying that, but they're actually lying and manipulating because they're serving a demon. They're serving the devil. And what is the devil? Well, he's a master manipulator, so you can't trust anything they're saying. And like, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like, you can't win. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I just had to shove that in there real quick. Oh, yeah. No, I I was just going to say, you know, like one of the 
things that I found when researching these our episodes on Islamophobia is there there was one American Muslim student who was so fed up with people saying like where are all the moderate Muslim denunciations and he made a list and there's like literally thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of like uh, tweets blog posts you know it was just like uh, press releases all this stuff from Muslims denouncing uh, acts of terror and you know I think that we just have to we just have to listen you know we have to be aware you know and and we have to afford people the same humanity that we afford ourselves and and other people like close to us. Yeah. 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 And I think that all kind of ties back into, and we do this with our Bible. We do this with the Quran. We do this with political statements and people's opinions and, uh, racial stereotypes, but we take something and frame it to fit whatever benefits us. And we've just, I think it yeah. all kind of sums up to, if we can remove that selfishness and like, like you were saying, Camille, see the value in other people the way we see it in ourselves, I feel like that's the step that we can all tangibly, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're so far left or so far right, no matter if you're, you know, uh, grew up extremely fundamental or not religious at all. I think if we can just take that and just begin to value ourselves and use that same value to see other people, which is like, let's, I mean, that's the next step, right? Once you can value yourself, if you can be selfish, well, okay, well, why am I being selfish? Oh, because I value myself. Take that take that and shift it to say, okay, well, if I have this value for myself, what if I could value someone else that same way? What if I could be selfish for someone else? Well, that's of course, you know, the antithesis of selfishness, right? That eliminates selfishness, selflessness yeah. at that point. And so I think that that's, that's where the shift lies. Yeah. And, and I think, I think the thing is, you know, like you can't, you can't just like take an entire religion and boil it down to one verse. You know, like right. if you can you can go to the Quran and you can cherry pick a, a verse that that portrays them in a negative light. Guess what? You can do that with Christianity, yep, very too. Easily. Yep, you know, like, <laughs> right. are, you, are you not a true Christian unless you've killed a witch in the last year? You know, or like, are you not a true Christian if you if you're if you don't stone your child when they're disobedient? You know, right. like there there are so many things. It's like, oh, well, that's not true Christianity. But like. The, the, the way that we decide what true Christianity is, is that you look at Christians, you know, mm -hmm. like and, and the way that you decide what true Islam is, is you listen to Muslims. And right. for the vast, 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 vast majority of Muslims, when you ask them, you know, what does your religion mean to you? They're not going to say violence. You know, mm -hmm. they're not going to say domination. They're, they're going to say, oh, it means, I, you know, that means something personal to them. And, and I think, you know, we just have to get past that point where we're listening to just all this propaganda, all this, all this misinformation, and we're just listening to, to regular people. Yeah. I think you just said something because I think like we talk about those like Christian people that will cherry pick stuff out of the Quran and stuff like that. I think that as Christians or non-Muslims, I don't think we get to speak on things that we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you have studied the Quran as much as you have studied the Bible or is unless you've grown up in that culture as much as you've grown up in uh, Christian culture, I don't think you get to speak on those kinds of things. Just like your average white person wouldn't think that they could speak on uh, black culture, you know, if they haven't grown up in it. I think we have to kind of take that same 
kind of mentality and offer just as much grace to them as we do to ourselves and offer them just as much nuance as we give to ourselves. Right. Well, I mean, that would be like someone coming up to you. And I think we talk about this a lot in conservative Christian circles of like how to defend your faith. You know, how do you defend when the atheist comes up and starts tearing you apart and you're persecuted? (laughs) Okay whatever but like when you <laughs> when you start facing these trials and people come up how do you defend your faith how do you win at this argument kind of thing well let's be yeah. honest we've spent our entire lives being taught this stuff how to defend our faith well whenever they use this bible verse that's clearly in the bible in this context what does that really mean well the same thing applies if you haven't i mean it's one yes. thing to read the quran but if you haven't grown up in a culture where you're surrounded by people teaching it you have no idea yeah, the context. The context. Yeah. You have no idea right. how to defend uh, those things against people like us, like the conservative Christian group. You right. know that's going, "Hey, uh, this is what your book says." Well, that may be what it says here, but did you read the context of this? Did you read where this came from? Right. Do you understand? Right. Most people don't. How this was at this point right. in history. You know, like that kind of gets in the whole thing. We don't even take the time no. to read our Bibles based on the context of the verses so much less how are we going to do that further so i I just i don't all of that's beautiful to me i love how all that sums up but before we close this out i just want to give both of you a chance do y'all have anything else you want to add to the conversation before we close up yeah i i think that a lot of the things that we've been talking about you know trying to be more empathetic trying to see people as people all of it is really just to overcome that central problem which is just fear Mm. um you know we are afraid of 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 these people who we see as as outside of our group and you know i'm just reminded of the verse in first john you know perfect love casts out fear you know and it what it doesn't say is it doesn't say like you attain perfect love and then you cast out fear you know it's like it's all it's almost this automatic process that like if you have love in your heart if you have christian love for others in your heart it cannot tolerate that kind of fear. It cannot tolerate the kind of fear that lets you believe misinformation and lies about other people. That's right. You know, it doesn't tolerate the kind of, of fear that lets you push people away and push people out and dehumanize people. And I think that's something that's really important for us to remember and something to keep central in our, in our thoughts and in our hearts as we work through this issue. Just kind of tagging onto that, I think putting yourself in a position to love is really important, you know, because it's one thing to say that love casts out fear, but how do you get to that when you're already afraid, you know? Mm -hmm. So like we talked about before, it's, it's about humbling yourself. It's about, um, educating yourself and being curious, you know, that's how you get to love someone by getting to know them. And that's how you're no longer afraid. That's how you're able to do the hard things, ask the hard questions, hear the hard answers, you know? Mm-hmm. So putting yourself in a position to love, I think is, is really important as well. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you both for having this yeah, conversation so and um, educating us along <laughs> the way. Yeah. Thank you for that. Where can people find you guys and find Halidom? So if you go on YouTube, just search Halidom, H-A-L-I-D-O-M. That's it. Um, and, and you can find our YouTube channel. That's mm-hmm. kind of where the bulk of our content is, but we're also on Instagram yes. and Twitter. Um, and if you just search for the word Halidum, you'll find it. Very cool. And yeah. we'll link up to all that yes. in the show notes, of course. Thank you both for coming on. And, uh, we look forward to more conversations moving forward. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us. We want to thank Jordan and Camille again for coming on and talking about Islamophobia. It's such a heavy topic, but, 
I couldn't think of a better couple to come on and tackle it with us. So thank you both for that. Their series is live on YouTube, so you should definitely go check it out if you want a little more depth out of what we talked about, just to go a little bit deeper. And of course, links for that are in the show notes below. Once again, one more quick little plug, Nomad 2020. Head over to nomadsacademy.co and ask to be a part. Join up with that. It's only $29 for early bird. There you can find all the speakers, all the talks we're doing. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Like literally, I know I probably don't sound as excited as I am. I'm not the most like joyous speaker all the time. I'm legitimately pumped because I, I love well. all the people that we're working with on Seeing this. Seeing such the diversity in topics as well as people. Yes, and just all of us coming together, new faces uh, that we're getting to meet, that we're going to introduce uh, to you guys and as well as... we haven't even yet explored. Yes, as well as people that uh, are favorites from history on this show as well so just a great community we're looking forward to that speaking of nomads we have a group called nomads a safe community for christians to ask unsafe questions that is growing and blossoming we're asking some amazing questions over there you guys are asking some amazing questions if you're not a part of that hey you really should be so head down to the show notes below click the link and ask to be a part of nomads we would love to have you to keep this conversation going We love you guys, and as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll We'll talk soon. soon.